...effect his doom by lock and key and padded chest. And so it was with the Dales of Allington. To them an entail would have been a lock and key and a padded chest. But the old chivalry of their house denied to them the use of such protection. I have spoken something slightingly of the acquirements and doings of the family. And indeed their acquirements had been few and their doings little. At Allington, Dale of Allington had always been known as a king... At Guestwick, the neighbouring market-town, he was a great man, to be seen frequently on Saturdays standing in the market-place and laying down the law as to barley and oxen, among men who knew usually more about barley and oxen than did he. At Hammersham, the assize-town, he was generally in some repute, being a constant grand juror for the county, and a man who paid his way. But even at Hammersham the glory of the Dales had at most periods begun to pale, for they had seldom been widely conspicuous in the county, and had earned no great reputation by their knowledge of jurisprudence in the grand jury-room. Beyond Hammersham their fame had not spread itself. They had been men generally built in the same mould, inheriting each from his father the same virtues and the same vices, men who would have lived each as his father had lived before him, had not the new ways of the world gradually drawn away with them, by an invisible magnetism, the upcoming Dale of the day. Not indeed in any case so moving him as to bring him up to the spirit of the age in which he lived, but dragging him forward to a line in advance of that on which his father had trodden. They had been obstinate men, believing much in themselves, just according to their ideas of justice, hard to their tenants, but not known to be hard even by the tenants themselves, for the rules followed had ever been the rules on the Allington estate. Imperious to their wives and children, but imperious within bounds, so that no Mrs. Dale had fled from her lord's roof, and no loud scandals had existed between father and sons. Exacting in their ideas as to money, expecting that they were to receive much and to give little— and yet not thought to be mean, for they paid their way, and gave money in parish charity and in county charity. They had ever been steady supporters of the church, graciously receiving into their parish such new vicars as, from time to time, were sent to them from King's College, Cambridge, to which establishment the gift of the living belonged. But, nevertheless, the Dales had ever carried on some unpronounced warfare against the clergyman, so that the intercourse between the lay family and the clerical had seldom been in all respects pleasant. Such had been the Dales of Allington, time out of mind, and such in all respects would have been the Christopher Dale of our time, had he not suffered two accidents in his youth. He had fallen in love with a lady who obstinately refused his hand, and on her account he had remained single. That was his first accident. The second had fallen upon him with reference to his father's assumed wealth. He had supposed himself to be richer than other Dales of Allington when coming in upon his property, and had consequently entertained an idea of sitting in Parliament for his county. In order that he might attain this honour, he had allowed himself to be talked by the men of Hammersham and Guestwick out of his old family politics, and had declared himself a liberal. He had never gone to the poll, and, indeed, had never actually stood for the seat, but he had come forward as a liberal politician, and had failed. And although it was well known to all around that Christopher Dale was in heart as thoroughly conservative as any of his forefathers, 
This accident had made him sour and silent on the subject of politics, and had somewhat estranged him from his brother squires. In other respects, our Christopher Dale was, if anything, superior to the average of the family. Those whom he did love, he loved dearly. Those whom he hated, he did not ill-use beyond the limits of justice. He was close in small matters of money, and yet in certain family arrangements he was, as we shall see, capable of much liberality. He endeavoured to do his duty in accordance with his lights, and had succeeded in weaning himself from personal indulgences, to which, during the early days of his high hopes, he had become accustomed. And in that matter of his unrequited love he had been true throughout. In his hard, dry, unpleasant way he had loved the woman— and when at last he learned to know that she would not have his love, he had been unable to transfer his heart to another. This had happened just at the period of his father's death.